You've arrived at the town after your long trek. What's the first thing you'd like to do? Uh, I want to go to the weapon shop. The weapon shop. Um, okay, all right. Uh, you you walk down the street and you see a sign with a with yeah with a sword on it that says weapon shop. You walk in and the shop owner, a burly looking dwarf, says, "Hey, you looking for a weapon?" Uh, you know what? On second thought, can I go to the armor shop instead? Oh, yeah, okay, I guess so. Um, It just so happens that next door is another sign with a shield that says armor shop. You enter, and a burly-looking dwarf greets you. Hey, you looking for some armor? (laughs) These shops are eerily similar. Is is this the same guy? No, 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 no. Totally, totally different dwarf. He, He even looks different. Okay, well, something's wrong here. I don't feel right about this whole situation. Can I go to the bakery instead and get something to eat and think about it? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you walk down the street a ways and you see a sign with a cupcake on it that says, The Bakery. On entering the shop, a burly-looking female dwarf says, Hey, you looking for some cupcakes? You know what? Never mind. I'm just going to leave this town. In this episode of Becoming DM, we're talking about creating interesting shopping experiences. Hey everyone, this is John. And Danielle. And today we are talking, as you you heard, about making those shopping experiences interesting. But before we jump into it, let's maybe talk a little bit about why making these shopping experiences interesting is important for your game. So, uh, Danielle, I'm going to let you kind of kick this off. Well... The, the interesting thing is, like, you spend, your players actually spend a fair amount of time shopping, right? And there's a lot of really, really fun role-playing that you can do with, with different shopkeeps. Yeah, so, I mean, we in our example in the, in the skit, all the shopkeeps were kind of the same. But if you provide those shopkeeps that... That um, that have personality, that have um, that have a little bit of something unique about them. It'll create a memorable experience for your players to where where when they come back to this town, they'll be like, "Oh, I want to go to this dude's shop. He was he was cool to deal with." Oh, exactly. Plus, it it can breathe an air of you know towns and villages, even though they're uh, in your role playing world. They're not just this static painting on a wall that people can just point at and say i want to go to that tavern or whatever like you can make them you can make the whole town come alive by having interesting npcs interesting places and like you said stuff that makes everything more memorable yeah i mean i i think that I've definitely, from time to time, gotten into this trap, and I think that that probably every DM at some point gets into the trap where you get to a town and they're just there to do some, like, picking up supplies or something like that. So you're just like, yeah, this is just a town. I'm going to describe it in general terms. It's just a town. They've got this main street and they've got some shops. End of story, because we just want to get on to the, to the thing. <laughs> but but I think that if you if you do take a moment to explain and i think a big part of explaining those towns is going to be the shops that are there because that's where a lot of the interaction is going to take place but it can make it to where first off those towns seem unique they seem living they seem vibrant and and second off it's going to make your your players um remember that town when they come back so you're not going to have to spend as much time i think describing it because it'll be like oh yeah this is this is where rollo lives and and he's got that shop over there and blah 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 
Um, so I, I think that that making it more memorable is really huge for your game because it it makes it gets those players to buy into to what you're what you're trying to get them to to look at. Oh, most definitely. And the more player buy-in that you can have to any aspect really of your of your entire world brings the players deeper into the experience, which is, I mean, what we're all after, isn't it? Yeah. And by getting them deeper into that experience, you can do things like seed in some side quests, uh, um, put in clues maybe to a main quest that aren't in places that they would necessarily uh, necessarily expect them. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about this later, but just keep in mind that this is a great way to add some other dimensions to the shopping experience that aren't anything to do with shopping, really. No, and they don't need to be anything with shopping. And, and the more you can get your players engaged, like I don't know if, if you've ever had this happen, but I've had players start engaging with NPCs and things take a turn that I wasn't expecting. and uh, all of a sudden the pcs are are spitting out um, these wonderful ideas that i can throw into the campaign that uh, i hadn't even considered before so you can it Mm -hmm. it gives you this whole pool of stuff to draw from because players can actually provide a lot of ideas yeah, I would say one of the coolest part of running a game like D&D or Pathfinder is really um listening to the players when they're in situations and and hearing what they're theorizing <laughs> on and then being like, "Oh, that sounds like a neat story arc. I'm totally going to steal that." <laughs> oh yeah, I've like sometimes they'll tell they'll say something, they'll be like, "I think that this is what's happening." And you just sit back and you think to yourself, you're like, "That actually Sounds really cool. You know what? That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and maybe talk about a little bit about what is uh, what are some things that are going to make for interesting shopping experiences. And I, I think the first place you really have to start with is the shop itself. And and by that I mean the the building that that we're looking at. So when we when we talk about the building. you're you're always going to have to kind of determine location and that location is going to determine a lot of things about your shop first off is this shop even feasible in the area it's in because if you've got a little podunk town you're probably not going to have a shop with a lot of high magic artifacts in it um um, you're probably going to have a lot more shops that are more focused on farming supplies and stuff like that where whereas in a in a larger city you'd have a much bigger variety of shops that are out there and even within a, a large city, you're going to have sections of the city that may or may not have certain types of, sh- types of shops. So the more poverty slum areas are, are not going to have really expensive, nice weapons that are that are on display for people to buy or anything like that, right? Oh, exactly. Not to mention all the districts when you get into a city, right? So you've got mm-hmm. uh, like your leather workers and your tanners, they're all going to be in in well, a, a smellier district is where they're going to be. You're not going to have your blacksmith who's putting out all this soot and smoke and noise right next to, you know, your your refined clothing stores, um, stuff like, or food. I, I don't think most people want to eat food um, next to a blacksmith unless it's a very poor food establishment. But even still, that adds a little bit of flavor. Anyways, the flavor is soot, <laughs> but the flavor's there. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and once you kind of get past past that, you can you can really kind of work on describing 
the building and the materials that are going to be used in that building and and the architecture to really give it more of a of a memorable structure than just like hey here's here's a hut that the guy sells some stuff out of enjoy exactly you can (laughs) you can actually get right into construction construction tells so much about a city like historically speaking and, and that crosses over to dungeons and dragons as well um and dungeons and dragons has the benefit of having you know elves and dwarves you know how good is the stonework is it made out of stone is it like mostly wood but has one really cool stone pillar does that have a story behind it uh, yeah, and and because because uh, you're describing it, this is an area that you could really go down on a rabbit hole <laughs> with when you're doing research. And and this is one of those things that it's just a matter of being a DM. You you have so many things that you could put an effort into describing about your environment that. I mean, you could be researching stonemasonry and be like, oh, I understand this. <laughs> and the, the important thing to keep in mind is is to what level of detail are you still going to have your players? Because if you spend 30 minutes talking about this stone structure, <laughs> you're probably going to lose a lot of people. Now, there may be some people that are really into stonework and they're like, oh, yeah, tell me all about it. <laughs> but but just uh, keep the audience in mind as you as you get into that level of detail too right oh for sure you don't you don't want to start describing you know <laughs> every different fixture and stuff but it's nice to have something notable about a building that people are going into something to make it stand out and like like i said before breathing life into the campaign cuz if you think about different places and stuff that you've been there's something that you remember about most places right so yep. just give it some sort of Je ne sais quoi. I, I feel like though that when you talk about the description of places, what a lot of what a lot of DMs can kind of slide into if they're not paying attention is that kind of generic you walk into the store, there's really not any description. And I feel like we're all basically boiling down all of our shops into a big box retail store now. Here's the Walmart of, <laughs> of weapons stores. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, the other thing when you talk about the building itself is kind of the the size, right? Oh, definitely. You can have, um, well, I mean, it, it depends on how big the store is, on how many people are going to be in there, how much goods they can actually have themselves. Because it's it, like they aren't actually Walmart. They don't have a back room. So there's the area that you see. And if it's not that big, well, they're not going to be able to fit 50 people in there. And they're not going to have a variety of rope or whatever it is that your PCs might be there for that they make or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and yeah. and keep in mind that if this is somebody that's making this stuff, they're probably going to be more of a a specialty shop where they're going to have, as, as you mentioned, rope or whatever. They may have lots of different types of that thing they specialize in, but they may not have a whole lot else, especially if they're a smaller shop. Almost definitely. Um, I think sometimes though, like I've thought about that because if you if you research into um, the actual stores that used to exist, like you could go to the Candelier if you wanted a candle, but you can also get yourself into trouble with that too. When you're talking to your PCs, it's like, we want to buy candles and rope and a shirt. It's like, well, go to these three different stores and we're going to talk to these three different people to buy these three different items because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's how that works in real life. But you can, it can, that can drag on a bit. 
<laughs> what did you do in your game tonight? We went shopping. <laughs> what else? On the That's plus side, it. <laughs> it was an interesting shopping experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, beyond uh, beyond the the actual store itself, there's also the area that's in what's going to be happening around that store. And that's that's important for a couple of different reasons. One is it sets the scene for kind of what type of store it may be, because if you're in kind of a slum area where there's feces on the ground surrounding it, you probably shouldn't expect much when you're going into it. But it could also be things that could lead to encounters later uh, when they're leaving the store with their goods or whatever like that. Maybe somebody tries to rob them or or any number of things could happen at that point. So keeping an eye on on the the surrounding stuff um is is important too do you any stores that you've done that you have kind of a real interesting kind of surrounding area anything that was kind of really important to the game i think i think my favorite store that had everything to do with the surrounding area was this this gnome uh scroll writer guy and he was almost impossible to find not because he was trying to be impossible to find, but because he actually was really bad at his job. And so <laughs> <laughs> and so the only place he could afford was like this literal hole in the wall, um, you know, down like this dusty, terrible back alleyway. And so the whole experience getting to this, getting to the shopkeep um, was it was its own experience and descriptor that, you know, can really highlight a couple things to the PCs. You know, it's like there's lots of cobwebs. Nobody's been here in like a long time. <laughs> like nobody recommends this guy. There's not a lot of foot traffic. Maybe this isn't the best place to go. <laughs> yeah, there's nobody even in the street around here. It feels like this place is abandoned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can you can give like a lot of interesting insights to your players via your descriptions of places if they choose to listen to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Because sometimes they just don't, and they're like, "It's going to be the best," and they'll just charge in through all the cobwebs, and uh, and there you go. Yeah, and that's kind of the interesting thing is that that uh, a lot of players will maybe hear about a shop and think that just because you, the DM, mentioned it, it's got to be a great shop. And, and, and if you don't make any sort of distinction, then, then yeah, they're all going to kind of be the same. They're all be okay shops. And, and, but if you really have that lead in to, to give them the, the walk up, you can have very distinguishing experience between the level of, uh, quality of any, any particular shop. Almost definitely. And another benefit to, if you try to maintain, um, an interesting aspect to most of your stores is that when, you are actually, as a DM, interested in a store because you know it's part of the plot point. Um, mm-hmm. You don't give it away by accidentally adding a descriptor when your party's used to you just being like, I don't know, it's made out of wood, it's a store, go in it. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it's like, ooh, this is an important place. And you can give away parts of your story. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the business itself and and how uh, how the business operates, things like that. And I think that when when you the first thing you kind of have to decide is how first off does the business distinguish itself from its competitors, and and if so, how. And this could be by unique goods. It's this is the only place that you can find a a, a left handed magical spatula. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it could be. Um, it could be low prices. 
um, the could be the only store in town and they don't have competition, then they're not trying to just distinguish themselves at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't need to distinguish yourself if you don't have competitors. It's like you can buy this left-handed spatula here or you can travel two hours that away for it. Uh, what are you going to do, you know? And so it depends on how much competition they have, how, how mm-hmm. their business is going to distinguish itself. Yeah. And I mean, on this front, I have uh, in one of my towns a store that's basically a bargain basement shop. I believe I actually called it, but I don't remember the guy's name now, <laughs> but we'll just say Bob's. It was an alliteration thing. It was Bob's Bargain Basement. And <laughs> and and the the players went into it briefly, but they really didn't spend much time there, which... I mean, that's what they want to do is fine. I was a little bit, uh, a little bit sad because there were some some interesting things that could have happened because they basically had these boxes of um, second rate equipment. We'll say. I was going to ask that. Is <laughs> and, it like our bargain shops where it's like, hey, this is nice, but there's a there's a, there's like a flaw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so some of them were going to be like magical items that were advertised as these certain types of magical items, but they had a flaw. Like, like, like here's a plus two sword, but it only works two times or something like that. <laughs> um, but but some that could, could be considered kind of cursed items or some that could be considered like useless items that the players could make a... Uh, creative way to use it to have it actually be useful so there there were several uh several options in there and it was just like this weird bargain basement like i i'm thinking of um oh gosh what was the store's name there was a store a while back that was like walmart secondhand goods and and it was part of the walmart brand and um it was like uncle bob's or something like that and they would get all of these things that didn't sell at Walmart and they would sell them for these dirt cheap prices and you would find some weird <laughs> stuff in there. It was kind of what I was trying to equate it to. <laughs> oh yeah. That's it's it's nice though to have stores like that. I like I like the idea of having slightly flawed but a, mostly regular goods, you know? It mm-hmm. especially having stuff that kind of can classify as useless because the creativity of a PC in a tight spot is absolutely limitless (laughs) yeah and it's it's kind of i think i feel like it's kind of exciting where where when the players get into a situation and and it's a tough situation and and as the dm you're watching going oh man they're not going to get out of this and then the player goes oh wait i have this weird item that we got let's see if this works and (laughs) it's just something that is really fitting for the for the thing it's really, ex- I, I get excited about that kind of stuff. Like, oh, I totally forgot that they had that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing to watch PCs troubleshoot their ways out of problems with just crazy combinations of things and skills that they have. <laughs> it's like, how did you do that? I thought this was going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when you're going into like a bargain store or whatever kind of store you have, um, another thing you have to worry about is... is um, how is the business? Like, is it thriving? Is it dying? Mm-hmm. How many people are there? Yeah, and I feel like this is another place that I can kind of get into the trap of. You just walk into the store, you talk to the shopkeep, you do your business, and you walk out without even talking about other people being there. So it's it's something that um, can add, again, that extra layer of 
of description, that extra layer of realism into it if you do that. Oh, exactly. Plus more opportunities to lace in um, clues and lace in just a little bit of role playing. Because sometimes some campaigns you can get uh, pretty combat heavy and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing. And so it can be nice to use these to kind of break up the atmosphere, loosen things up a bit before bringing it back to a heavier point. Yeah, especially if you have a group of players that some really like combat, but some really could take it or leave it, it kind of gives you a way to balance it out a little bit. Yeah, it sure does. And then, you know, and like how busy is the business and how how many people are in there? You know, who are they, right? It's one thing mm-hmm. to say that there's two people in the store. It's another thing to say there's, you know, a guy who looks like he's been to war 17 times sitting in the corner staring at an axe. And, you know, a lady all dressed in pink. That Those are the two patrons. That makes a lot... Di- <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot different shopping experience because then people are like, why? What's with the pink dress? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you could get that in these times. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing to kind of consider when you're building out that, that business is is really why the, why the characters ended up there. So if... If they're looking for something specific, then then yeah, you, you kind of build out the shop to kind of cater towards maybe that specific thing. But if they're just kind of looking to look, like let's see what they've got at the at the weapon. I keep on saying the weapon shop because I have a player that that's all he will do is like, I want to go to the weapon shop. <laughs> well, what do you mean the weapon shop? <laughs> I want to go find a, an axe. All right, well, maybe you should ask around for people where you might be able to to buy one and like maybe the blacksmith or whatever. Okay. All right. We'll go ask them. (laughs) Yeah. All I want is somewhere that sells weapons and I'll find that. But uh, yeah, you can have specialty shops and stuff like that, or just a shop that specializes in a particular item. So like a general store, but they're wildly crazy about wooden bowls or something, you know, Mm-hmm. Even still, that adds a little bit of flavor. Somebody will remember the place. Oh, yeah, isn't that the bowl place? They had that, like... Those weird bowl people. <laughs> <laughs> the bowl people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once, you, once you've kind of figured all of that out about the business, I, I would th- say you should probably spend some time thinking on uh, on the actual person that's running the shop. And when you get into that you you can uh, again go down a rabbit hole if you want to but you kind of just have to think about again based upon the size of the shop is it just the owner of the shop that's running it do they have employees uh what's if, if they do kind of what's the relationship between the employees and the owner um stuff like that uh but if it's just the shopkeep or really for if, if for whoever's in the shop you kind of think think about who they are um what 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 race and gender political affiliations whether they like the looks of the party or whatever, <laughs> right? Oh, most definitely. And I think race and uh, is super important. I I know for me, I have uh, I have a human centric um, default, right? I mm-hmm. I automatically is like, you know, there, there's this guy, and it's like, well, who's this guy? Well, he's just a guy, and <laughs> and in my mind, it's always just some human dude who's doing this stuff if I don't attribute something else. But there's so many races and stuff with D&D and each one of them comes with their own flavors, their own histories. And even by just tweaking the race to something different, you can change the whole atmosphere almost. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and and even if you have your standard kind of human shopkeeper, it helps to understand what their views of the other races are too. So, oh yeah, I had a I had a, a kind of a an arc in the game that I was running before, where in this town there was a, a bit of a a division between some this group of humans and and the other races that were there, and so the party ended up in. Uh, in a, a tavern that was owned by this human who obviously did not like other races and made it pretty obvious that he did not like them being there. They, they were all half elves, halflings and half orcs. So half of everything. Um, <laughs> um, but, but just by having that, it kind of clued them into a little bit of what was going on in the town overall and, and kind of gave them some more, more things there. So not just what race the shopkeeper is, but also kind of their views for um, maybe the other races that come in there. And, and yeah. Oh, definitely. And that, and that again falls in with what you said before about political affiliations, because you can have, um, they can have different views on different races, but they're also going to have different political affiliations, different people that they're tied to or against um, regardless of race. You know, it's like the apple merchants. I have I have a war with the banana merchants, and it's been it's been <laughs> going on for twenty years. It's this, and you it, it's like this whole big thing in this town, and uh, I, I that's not political. That's um, very fruit related, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't do much politics. So hey, maybe there's the politics of fruit fruit in your world. That's you never know the banana party, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah. And so you can have, um, that kind of stuff. But another thing is like, once you, once you kind of define like who your shopkeep is, um, it's why are they there? Cause not every shopkeep woke up in their, you know, mid thirties, opened their eyes and was like, <laughs> awesome. I'm a shopkeep. This is what I do. This is what I've always done. But you know, where did they come from? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because I mean, maybe they were a traveling merchant that their their goal was to see the world, and they had some sort of economic uh, issue where they had to stay in one place or a health issue, something like that. Oh, a health issue. And yeah. So, yeah, so they were like, "Well, I can't travel anymore. I may as well just take my my little merchant wagon and set up a shop here." And that could be why. But maybe it was their dream. Like, I want, I really want to sell these doodads or whatever. <laughs> um, or maybe they were born into it. They they have a family that was a bunch of merchants and they had a shop and it's always been expected that the son would take over the shop and blah, blah, blah. So Yeah, candles is just what we do. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you can get that um, and then find out, you know, a little bit. But that can also give them an outlook on the party, you know, when they're coming in. It's this person you know came from X land and that can come with its own political or racial stuff right depending on your particular world that you're playing in yep and then i mean a lot of the other things to think about about the shopkeep is kind of around personality and and those kind of traits that that you can't really see by just looking at someone necessarily but you can see by their actions so what do they what do they what do they like or dislike and and again it kind of can kind of go back to the the party in general, uh, do do they have a a certain um, experience in their background that they that they hate adventuring <laughs> parties? Just as an example, um, 
or 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 if maybe they were a traveling merchant, maybe when they see this these people come in that are out out of towners, all they want to do is hear the news of of things that are happening outside of town because that used to be their life and it's no longer part of their life, right? Oh, exactly. I I think uh, what you're talking about something that I find helpful for that is because sometimes I can get locked into. I'll spend too much time on a single NPC when you really don't need that much for them. So Mm -hmm. what I try to do is I try to write down one thing that they love and one thing that they hate. And it's actually surprising how often that one thing can come up in a conversation. (laughs) Well, that's actually a really good idea and one that I haven't used before because I find that I tend to focus on either the one thing they love or the one thing that they hate and not not think about both because it, it's it's I, I it's easy to have an npc that like they hate this one thing but if you also think about the things that they that they love they enjoy or whatever you have more well-rounded so yeah they they may hate this guy that's in your party but you talk to them about I don't know how you used to make wheels as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like maybe his eyes lighten up and like, oh, yeah, I used to make wheels too or whatever. I mean, obviously, it's not making wheels probably. It could be. (laughs) It could be. That's that's the thing here. (laughs) (laughs) And that's and yeah, you can you can blend um, different just just a couple of different facts about an NPC and it it can completely liven them up it also gives you like for me like when I write down those two things is it gives me talking points because mm-hmm. if I'm just not sure what to say so say I know that this guy loves wheels and I've run out as a DM of any idea about how to respond to the party then this guy can just work that into the conversation while still being his own unique character right and then beyond that, kind of think about um, how they are at their job. Do do they greet people with a smile? Do they have good social interaction? Maybe they're really good at negotiating prices, and and that's why they're in the job. So if the party tires to talk them down, they're like, <laughs> no, 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 you're going to do this, this, and this, and and but also does it in a way that makes the party think that they're going to that they're making out or whatever. Oh, exactly. Um, so just thinking about kind of. That portion, I think that portion is also very important because my players always want to like, well, let's see if we can get him to, let's see if we can talk him down. And and I've always tried to approach it with like, what what are their motivations? Is this something that they would be willing to? And if, is the party actually presenting them a good reason why they would want to come down on their prices? And yeah, there's roles involved and stuff like that. But I also try to, again, it goes back to the things that they love and they hate. Um, if, if, if the party shares something that they love with the NBC and they kind of bond over it, they may be more willing to, to negotiate down again, taking into account their skills and stuff. Oh, exactly. I'm me personally, like as a human being, I am the worst negotiator in the world. <laughs> I, I've tried a couple of times to like barter and I don't know how it happens, but I always end up paying more than the original. And so I've, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And so I've, I just abandoned that whole thing. And so anytime I have a player who tries to um, haggle, right? Because it's medieval times. That's what you do. I just make everybody roll for everything. I decide mm-hmm. if my guy is good at it and then I give him a plus or a minus depending. And then, you know, they do their thing because I'm really bad at that. Um, and I do fall into the, so you said about, you know, are they, how are they with their customers? 
right? Because everybody yep. can fall into their own traps. My trap is the customer service one. I think that uh, maybe I worked in customer service too long because there's like <laughs> this bitter streak that's ingrained into me where as soon as I'm playing somebody who's working at a store, I'm just like, get out of my store. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so all my shopkeeps, if I'm not really careful about it, can end they're up being, <laughs> yeah, they're all surly and just like, take, take what you're doing and just go away. Um, and so it's something to pay attention to because everybody's got something that mm -hmm. if you're paying attention, you can peg out what your hook is, something that you really, really get stuck on. And it's something to pay attention to. Do you like killing skeletons? Or maybe you prefer to take down pirates on their own ship. Perhaps you prefer hunting down all the guards at the Abbey. Why limit yourself? Do it all! With Darkwind, there's a wide variety of monsters and enemies you can choose to do battle with. That's right, the sponsor for this episode is Darkwind, the online text-based role-playing game that's free to play. You can create your character now by going to play.darkwind.org. Log in now and find that enemy you've been looking for. Now let's get back to the show. Once you have that that shopkeeper kind of in mind with how you're how you're doing it, um, there are I think some things that you probably just need to watch out for. And we kind of talked about it there with like where you get your where you get your head um, there, but but additionally, kind of think about what you've done in the past because it's uh, and I do this. I know that I do this. Uh, it's easy to get to where you have like this shop experience that you have built out in your head. And that's just what all the shop experiences end up being. They're all the same. I mean, it's kind of like what our what our skit did. <laughs> hey, you want some armor? Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, not not that one noted, maybe, but but I, I definitely that's an area of focus that I definitely need to to focus on to make sure I don't do is to like really have them all be the same or sticking with kind of stereotypes for what a what a fantasy store is stuff like that oh definitely and the nice the well not the nice thing but the handy thing about stereotypes is that if you start to worry you're like i think i've been doing too many stereotypes the easiest way to get around that is to just flip the stereotype upside down and mm -hmm. and you can work on your other problems later but for right now you've got you know this guy who's covered in scars and tattoos who's baking you muffins <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can definitely take that stereotype and do something unexpected with it i think that uh that works really well as long as you're not doing it too much yeah you can't you can't you can't just make the entire if every thing stereotype gets world. flipped it's like oh well i know what's gonna happen next <laughs> yeah then you're just living in opposite land <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, as far as uh, doing or making your shopping experiences more interesting, um, as much as, you know, we've listed lots and lots and lots of different things and ways that you can go about it. But I think it's important to note that just changing a single notable aspect of a business can be enough to distinguish it from the crowd of other businesses. Because like you said, you have that one character who's always looking for weapon shops. You know, mm -hmm. and so the, if this character goes to 15 different weapon shops, you know, 
All you have to do is change one notable aspect. And I say notable because you can't just be like, the floors are mahogany, you know, (laughs) (laughs) instead of pine. That's not that notable. But changing one notable aspect of a business and all of a sudden these 15 different shops that beforehand would have just been, you know, weapon shop after weapon shop. Now they're, oh, that's the one with the guy who plays with sparklers all day. And this is the (laughs) one with, with all the shovels, you know? Yeah. I need to make a weapon shop with all the shovels now that you mentioned it. (laughs) (laughs) This is my combat shovels. (laughs) (laughs) This is my plus three combat shovels. Been with me for years. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, and and one thing I like to make sure to to keep in mind is that not every town is going to have every type of store the PCs are looking for. Uh, I think a, a good example of this, and and uh, Felicia and I talked about this uh, in in an earlier episode when we were talking about published modules, is uh, is Fandelver and the Lost Mines of, of Fandalen, or whatever. I'm getting those two mixed up. Fandalen and the Lost Mines of Fandelver, um, where they they really just have kind of a general store. So if you're wanting to to look for higher end goods, you're probably not going to find them there. And, and you can take that into, into your towns and, and just make sure that whatever stores you have makes sense. Uh, maybe you have a world where, where uh, magical items are so, so rare and, and um, hard to find that nobody, there is no such thing as a store that sells magical items. They, they just, they're they're all kind of private sales or you're killing the owner to to take it from them or finding it in some abandoned treasure cache but but you can't actually buy them looking at you um, dungeons and dragons 5e <laughs> 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 but um whatever it is just keep in mind what what you can what you can do or or not get within the town that you're in to make sure you have the right types of shops there Oh, for sure. You can't, uh, not everything is available everywhere. Not to mention, you know, how are they getting their goods? You know, how's that getting there? If they live up in the high, high mountains, chances are they're not getting biweekly shipments of, you know, plus two swords. Yep. You know? <laughs> Wait, they're not? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, they could be. It depends on your town, but you'd have to build that into it. And so yep. a lot of times when I go about the like working on a shop thing. Um, it, I don't plan these ahead very far. Um, the way that I like to go about it is I do a top-down um, method, I guess. And so okay. the first thing that you're going to approach is the building or um, the area that it's in, right? And so I'll just quickly throw out some sort of descriptor and then work my way down. But the nice part about that is, is that if I just off the top of my head say the building is really, really tall, um, it's like four stories with a pointed roof, then then I can say, how's the business? And that will lead me into further inspiration. And I just draw everything from the building. And so say they go in and there's actually like the roofs are really high because this particular store only caters to like really, really tall people. Um, and that's, so it's not actually four floors. It's actually only two floors, but the roofs are, or the ceilings are really, really high. And so the shop, and it's keep, run by a half giant. And that's or... the thing. And so then, then you go down another level to the shopkeep. Well, he's a half giant because he's really tall and, and he didn't feel like this, uh, city had enough representation for, you know, his kind. And so he started this clothing store and that's what he's doing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so yeah, I so yeah. I kind of do. I guess you would call bottom up a lot of times, where I think about the the shopkeep that I want and and build up from him and kind of build the surroundings from there. And, and I think either way works as long as it's something that your mental processes work with and and what makes sense for you. Yes, you definitely have to go with what works best for you. An easy way to tell that is is before you're in game and, you know, at the big show, just take a couple minutes to yourself and try describing just random things off the top of your head both both ways a couple of times and just see what flows more naturally for you. Yep. And so when you're talking about those shopkeeps, the I think a good thing to remember is that these are just temporary NPCs. They're they're not going to play kind of that critical role in your story. They're not going to uh, like save or destroy the world typically. Um, so it, it's something that is not going to to have a major part. So it's this is an area where you can really have fun with those NPCs. You can make them goofy. You can make them have bizarre personality traits, <laughs> things like that. Um, um, when you when you build them, right? Oh, exactly. And you don't have to worry too much about it, which is nice because, like you said, these are NPCs or whatever that they're only going to encounter once or maybe a couple times. And so, even if you make some sort of terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> It's not going to, it can't, it's not going to crash your whole campaign. Um, you know, it's like if, if you gave this shopkeep, you know, a lot of wizarding abilities for some reason, um, it's mm-hmm. not going to throw off the entire balance of your game because you've, you made this one quick on the fly decision. You don't really need to fix it. The, they're not going to see him again, or maybe he moved overnight. You don't know. They don't yeah, know. Yeah. Or, or he died in his sleep. I mean, you can get rid of him because he's not <laughs> a, a, a critical part of the story. Exactly. Bad things happen to NPCs. Yep. <laughs> 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 and um you should also make sure that you're considering how that shopping experience is going to impact your players um because there as we've kind of alluded to shopping is is not just shopping it's it's kind of a a good way to mix in things like clues uh, informational tidbits uh, from conversations either between the patrons or from the shopkeep to the the players uh, as as part of that. So it's a, a great way to to have those little pieces mixed in that uh, maybe not be expected there, right? Oh, exactly. Um, you can have so many things fall into there. And the other thing is, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, of players interacting and saying things, and you can change everything because they can give you such a great idea because of this interaction that they're having um yep or they can just become super suspicious of your shopkeep for no apparent reason (laughs) (laughs) this guy seems to have too many doodads yeah (laughs) something's up (laughs) and uh and so yeah you can have your npcs and your pcs they can interact and you can create these really rich nice uh, role-playing experiences, which is really cool because you can have your players um, essentially build a rapport with um, your NPCs, right? It's like, we mm-hmm. really like to go to Bob's Bargain Basement. Bob's the best. We love talking to Bob. But then... He's got the weirdest crap, he's got but he's the a weirdest nice guy. <laughs> but the more that you get your party involved in your entire, your entire world, um, the more you actually can use that to your advantage... 
Um, sometimes you want to do something with your story and you need your PCs to go and do this. But so, you, you know, not everybody wants to railroad your PCs and be like, go do that. But you can have something terrible happen to Bob. Everybody loves Bob, right? And yep. so they're going to want revenge or they're going to go after him. And so you can use these NPCs that your players have built a rapport with to incite action from your NPCs or from your PCs as well. Yep. Yeah, and, and because they're doing it because they want to do it, it's not really railroading. You're not making them go down this path. If they said, well... I don't care about Bob. We're just going to let him rot. Well, that's the choice they made. <laughs> Let's rob Bob. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things that is is I, I like about shops is that you can use them to make a party um, have to wait for something. So... Maybe, maybe somebody, in fact, I had this happen in, in my last session of my game. We had uh, the ranger in the party wanted to buy this fancy new bow and he'd saved up his nickels and dimes to, to get it. And he found uh, this bowyer um, to make his, make his bow. And, and the guy's like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be several weeks before we can get this done. Cause I make them all custom to the, to the person who's buying it. And I mean, meanwhile, they were trying to investigate some stuff that was taking them to another country and they had to make the, this decision. Well, do we wait for this bow or do we go on ahead? If we don't, if we wait for the bow, these things could happen over in this place. They decided to wait for the bow. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm a little bit excited because now I get to have their, their nemesis do things that, <laughs> that they wouldn't have had time before for, uh, um, so, uh, so yeah, that, that's, um, that's, I think a, uh, a, a nice way to use them as well. Oh, it's wonderful. Cause it, it helps you avoid that, that railroad sensation that so many people just, nobody, nobody really likes to be railroaded. And there's lots of different tools that, that DMs can use to, um, I guess, uh, direct the party in the kind of the directions and stuff that you want to go and uh, without actually just blatantly railroading them you, there's lots of avenues that you can take and shops can be one of those things you know making them wait and having their nemesis come in and i don't know tickle their toes in their sleep i'm not sure what <laughs> what, what he was up to <laughs> <laughs> That is, I'm totally going to build out a tickler nemesis now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tickle monster. Uh, uh, but in addition to to that kind of waiting thing, you can also kind of provide clues to what's going on in the world based upon scarcity or abundance of certain things. And one of the one of the things that that we had, I think I may have mentioned this earlier in the podcast, where where all of the magic items were being bought up, and when the mm -hmm. players would go to the shop and find out, hey, there's no healing potions to be had, there's no this, there's no that, that gives them a little bit more view into how widespread this um, this uh, conspiracy is that's going on. So it can also it also would uh, motivate them to solve that problem, right? Because Mm -hmm. they, they definitely want those healing potions. Yep. You know, yep. and so, and that's the other thing about in a store is, you know, maybe they're in the process of buying up all the healing potions, but there's one potion left. 
But when your PCs go into the store, there's already two customers fighting over it, mm-hmm. you know? And so you can, you can generate um, actual encounters in, in the shops yeah. themselves. Yeah, and at that point, the, the players kind of have a choice. Are they going to, like, jump into the fray and be part of the fight? Are they going to try and be the peacekeeper and, and keep people calm? Are they just going to turn around and walk out of the store? <laughs> <laughs> just go buy some counterfeit ones from outside? Yeah, I mean, that, that could be another encounter. You have you have somebody nearby going like, hey, man, you don't need to buy from this shop. I got what you need here. Look, look, look here. <laughs> and and they, they could be real, but they could also be totally counterfeit. <laughs> yeah, it's just this pineapple punch. It's <laughs> <laughs> It tastes more fruity than your regular healing potion does. <laughs> <laughs> but just as revitalizing in a not actual stats kind of way. <laughs> you feel refreshed, but you still are hurting. Um <laughs> The, the the other thing I would say is to remember that that by adding these shopping encounters is is about adding an interesting aspect to your game. And if you have a group of players that isn't into that, maybe your group of players is 100% all into combat, then it's not something you have to add. You can always just hand wave the, the shopping experience and say, yeah, you, you went and bought you went and bought a bow and he gave it to you. You're all good. Uh, just keep your players in mind. There are going to be some players that really get into that and and could feasibly have their shopping experience be an entire session, again, depending <laughs> upon how far you let it go. <laughs> um, but yeah, as always, keep your players in mind when you're, when you're building these out before you really decide to do this. Absolutely. Like if it's not adding an interesting aspect to your game, if it's not adding um, enjoyment of the whole process to your players, then it's probably not going to be... Um, something you want to utilize <laughs> it's like yep. you know it's like this is this is just the dm talking to themselves nobody likes this <laughs> <laughs> all right so we are close to wrapping up we've got one more topic to talk about is how to implement some of these things and i'm going to let you kick this one off daniel my favorite way to implement these things i kind of highlighted this with with my top-down method is uh the fly by the seat of your pants method I I plan very little for some things and I'll just start rattling off the first things that come to my mind and then the rest of the description like I did with the building is just problem solving. It's like why did I say that this thing has four stories? That doesn't make sense. Nobody <laughs> wants to go to a shop and go upstairs. And <laughs> so it's like okay, so it's just got tall ceilings and why would why would they even need that? Okay, so it's got a it's got a giant, I guess. That's who's running the shop. And so I essentially just wing something out there and then just kind of like backpedal slash role play until it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But an important thing to do is if you are going to go by the by the fly fly by the seat of your pants method, you have to take notes. When you start listing off, you know, welcome to the dragon's flagon, you have to write that down because your players, one of them is probably going to remember that. And a couple of weeks from now, they're going to be like, we want to talk to Joe. And and <laughs> you don't know who Joe is. Who, who, who do you want to talk to? <laughs> it's like, what was he all about? Did, what what did he say to them? Did he did he give them clues? Is he making them suspicious? If you don't take notes when you're just rattling stuff off the top of your brain, uh, you can actually get yourself in a lot of trouble that way. And so you do have to take notes if you're going to go fly by the seat of your pants. Yep. And 
I mean, the next way, if you aren't as comfortable with with flying by the seat of your pants, but you're still in a bind where you have to do some of that, is is again base base your shopkeepers, your NPCs off of off of people that you know, whether they're people that you know personally or they're celebrities and characters that they play, uh, whatever it is, just pick something that, that you know. And, and that way, when you're interacting as that, as that NPC, you can just very easily fall into their speech patterns, their behaviors, and, and you know what they're going to do because you're familiar with them. Oh, exactly. Like Al Pacino. Most people can identify Al Pacino. And the bonus is most people can't actually do a good impression of Al Pacino. <laughs> and so your players won't even know that you're trying to mimic him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, again, take if you if you are trying to emulate somebody, it goes back to what you said before. Take those notes, and and it could just be a matter of jotting down the person's name and saying, "Acts like so and so," because again, you know the the person that you're trying to act like. So when you when you take note like that, it, it's much easier to to remember those those ticks and those personality traits that that you were trying to emulate. Oh, most definitely. And you can you can take time ahead of time make make a list, like you said, um, different names of people that would be easy for you to drop into and you do have to make notes next to that otherwise you'll get yourself completely lost uh, <laughs> like i don't know who joe is joe's al pacino <laughs> that's who joe is um yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and you can do the same sort of thing with locations too right uh, where I, I actually have, and ex- in fact, I've been saving some of these on on a Pinterest page for becoming DM. If you're interested in seeing what any of these are, I have a, a landscape uh, book where I I pin pictures of interesting things, and usually they're actual photos of something. Sometimes it's it's digital art, but most of the time they're they're actual photos, and I'll use that as a place to first off have an idea of what I want to present. Second off, sometimes I will present that picture, maybe edit it a little bit, but present that picture to the players so that as I'm talking about it, they have that visual representation too. Um, and, and that serves for kind of two things. One is I'm showing them what it looks like, but two, because we're right now playing online, I'm getting them out of the battle map that they were looking at into this scene. So I get them out of that we're in a fight mode thinking and, and thinking in a different way. And I think those two are really important when you have those. So if you have a picture, I like to display it just to, to again, help fill in those gaps of the mind's eye. And you can, yeah, it's, I, uh, I love doing that. I've got, I actually made myself my own Facebook group. It's a hidden group. I'm the only member, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just called D and D stuff. And uh, if I, f- going through Facebook or whatever and I find like a really cool picture because sometimes people will share videos on check out these cool cottages or best beaches in the world and I'll see something in there that'll trigger it's like that would be really really cool as a spot in a campaign whether it be Mm -hmm. for you know shopping or or combat and I just share things to that group and so I've permanently got this this list of shared items just for me for my own reference and stuff that I could share back out of that group to my players 
yeah, I mean, however, however it works best for you to do it. Like I said, I, I made a becoming DM Pinterest page. You've got your Facebook page. I used to do it in, uh, in Evernote or OneNote. I would just create notes with the pictures on it. So what it's really whatever way works best for, for you as a DM to keep track of this stuff. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's so many, so many different options. And another option, uh, were an area of, uh, muse that you can go to for your interesting shopping experiences is think of stuff that's happen to you personally um if you sit down and think about it everybody's got something that has happened to them in a store or something that you've seen in a store that's been absolutely ridiculous and <laughs> can be translated quite easily into D. yeah i mean people are, people are weird whether they're in a role-playing game or not so you're gonna encounter weird stuff when you're when you're in those stores you may as well leverage it so that you get something out of it <laughs> <laughs> oh exactly like this uh this one time i was in a store and there are these two older gentlemen um probably in their 90s and they were going out into the parking lot one was pushing the cart the other one was just walking beside him and uh this bag flew out of the cart because it was a windy day and so the guy who was holding the shopping cart lets go of it on a downhill slope and he starts chasing after the bag and the guy who wasn't <laughs> holding the shopping cart notices that it's running away and so he starts chasing the shopping cart and so you've got this really funny comedy duo of these two older fellows who are just they're both trying to solve problems at the same time but they're both creating their own problems because the one guy put the loose bag in, the other guy dropped or let go of the shopping cart. And so you can translate mm -hmm. that into a role-playing setting where it's really easy. I've been, I've seen these two dudes. I can drop them in wherever I want. So you guys go to this store. It's run by these two old guys. Every time this guy picks something up and puts it on the counter, the other guy will pick it up and put it away because he doesn't know why it's out there. And so they're just <laughs> they're just always in each other's way, but they're both helpful. And you can get some really fun stuff happening. Yeah, and I, I think that by presenting those scenarios, it adds a lot of a lot of kind of it can it can add a lot of humor to your game, which I think is is a special thing. But it also gives the players an opportunity to to either sit back and watch or or insert themselves into this comedic thing, and <laughs> and then you can have a little bit of fun with that as well. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Plus, they can earn themselves a little bit of rapport. You know, maybe get a discount mm -hmm. if they choose to help, or maybe get kicked out of town if they choose to hinder. Yep. Um. Now another another option. Uh, um, which I, I, I'm looking at the notes and I see you have it here as the danger zone. <laughs> and I, I'll be honest, my mind goes to Archer. The danger zone. Danger zone. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you describe it since you put this note in here, though. <laughs> okay. So I call I call this one danger zone because it is really dangerous. Um, so something that you can do is if you have a PC... Um, with a particularly strong character character trait, whether that be good or bad. Um, so let's take paladins. Everybody loves to pick on paladins for this. You know, they're very hoity-toity, that kind of thing. But they'll have this air of, you know, I'm doing what's right, always kind of about them, most paladins. And so you can take a strong character trait from one of your PCs and just kind of overlay that onto an NPC shopkeep that they have to talk to. 
And you can, <laughs> this can make for some really interesting role playing, especially when you have a trait that's maybe a little bit less desirable. Um, (laughs) but like I said, you do have to be really careful with this because some players might not realize that they have this, this undesirable trait that's kind of showing through their character and they're not doing it intentionally, or they could, you know, be rather offended, um, when you just throw it straight back at them, uh, it could be seen as more aggression and maybe less funny. And so you have to choose carefully if you're going to do this one and who you're going to do it with, because it can cause, it can be really, really funny or really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Yeah. Always just make sure that you're, you are, are well aware of your players and whether you're going to end up with some hurt feelings or not. (laughs) (laughs) Almost definitely, but it can be, it can be a lot of fun. Um, I had, I I did this with a couple of characters and uh, this one guy who was playing, well, a paladin who was greater than thou. And so I made the shopkeep also greater than thou. And the way that it kind of worked out between them, I didn't intend for it to happen this way, but they ended up becoming best friends, both (laughs) greater than everyone around them. They, it just, the PC decided that he had just found like his match, his equal. (laughs) (laughs) You or me. (laughs) Exactly. And they just became like really good friends. And it was just, it, it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, I think that was what we wanted to talk about today around creating those interesting shopping experiences. I wanted to thank everyone for joining us after this little break and uh, and formally welcome Danielle to the show. I know we'd had a, had a little trailer thing there, but glad to have you on for a full episode. Thank you. Uh, so I guess uh, until next time, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website, becomingdm.com, or Facebook, we are facebook.com slash becomingdm, and on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.